0: here hey everyone welcome to the super review shows mixed bag pre-recorded tonight that's okay i am joined by my good man bill murphy hello everyone what's going on i know you're probably saying why wasn't the show live tonight well here's why because we don't like you folks no nah, i'm just
1: kidding i'm just kidding we love you
0: uh technical difficulties on jt's end but that's okay this is a very important topic tonight bill why don't you tell everyone what we're talking about tonight okay Well, as you all know,
1: this Saturday is the 20-year anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it's been 20 years. Hard to believe. Um, So today we're going to talk about media, music, movies, TV shows that were altered or that were affected by the 9-11 attacks. Like for movies, we're going to talk about those that were altered. We're going to talk about that one first. We all know what's on your mind. We are going to talk about that one first. Trust me, we are. We got this. Um but we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about um, you know, some other things and yeah, just the effects that um that 9/11 had had on the entertainment industry.
0: Yep. So, so Okay,
1: so you ready to get down to business?
0: I am ready when you are, my good man. Are You all set?
1: I'm all set. Uh, Okay, the first one that we're going to talk about is, yep, you know we're talking about it. The original Spider-Man trailer.
0: Yes, as as I pull it up, give me one second.
1: Okay, for those of you who don't, who are younger than me, (laughs) um, there was a Spider-Man trailer because the original Spider-Man came out in May of 2002. Correct. The first, um, what was it? Um, Sam Raimi. There was a trailer that was released, I want to say, in summer of 2001. Mm -hmm. And the trailer was that two robbers were escaping. Two robbers were escaping from a bank robbery into a helicopter. Okay, I gotta make this joke. I'm sorry. Get in the chopper. Oh my God. <laughs> sorry, that joke was calling my name. Um. Anyway, so they go into the helicopter and, and then the helicopter gets stuck in a web between the two towers. Hmm. Ty- type in Spider-Man WTC. So, so the so yeah, the trailer was originally. So yeah, the, and also yeah, put that up right there. The yeah, so as you can see, um, after the attacks, they had to pull the trailer.
0: Yeah, because they were in production of the movie in two thousand one, right?
1: Yeah, they were in production. And also, um, click on um, click on that right there—the one with Spider-Man's head. As you can see, the Twin Towers are in his eyes, and that was in the um, that was actually in the first poster.
0: Oh wow!
1: That was actually in the first poster for Spider-Man, but then again, after the attacks, they had to scrap anything that had to do with the World Trade Center.
0: Yeah.
1: Due course. to obvious reasons. The
0: obvious reasons, of course.
1: Like, But that trailer, originally they said that trailer wasn't going to be in the movie. That scene wasn't going to be... They said, oh, that scene wasn't in the movie. But then years later, Sam Raimi came forward and said, yeah, that scene actually was going to be in the movie, but after 9-11... But after 9-11, we had to get rid of it.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. And also... um, there was actually a, and also, you know, the big trademark of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies is the, of course, the American flag at the end.
0: Yep. That was a big one.
1: Yeah. Because here's the thing. In 9-11, in post 9-11 world, all you had to do was put up a big ass America flag and get the audience cheering.
0: Yeah. That, was, uh, that happened a lot. Yeah.
1: Because, and also there was that scene when the New Yorkers are fighting, when they're throwing shit at the Green Goblin. And, hey, you mess with, hey, you mess with one of us. You mess with all of us. That was sort of like that attitude. That was sort of like that attitude in, um, you know, in post 9-11 America.
0: Right.
1: But, um, yeah, so... um, that was like that was one of the things with um that had to be changed during 9-11 do you have any thoughts jt or
0: i mean it makes sense that they did it right after the the attacks happened i mean it makes total sense to me why would you want to keep something up that is no longer there
1: yeah because here's the thing you do have to um there Cause one of the, and cause you know, there was also another film. Let me just pull it up. Right. Um, let me just pull it up. Um, well, okay. Um, sorry. I'm a little all over the place right now. Um,
0: You're
1: good. okay. Cause there was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I'm just trying to get the name of it. Okay. Um, what was the name of it? Um, I, I'm having a hard time finding this right now, folks. So bear with me. Um,
0: You're doing fine, but Don't worry. And I gotta say, on your points about the uh, the American flag, that's one of the the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. Those were always like the uh, that always was a big thing. Like at the, at the very end of the first Spider-Man movie, they were trying to. I mean, that that was that's the last shot. I mean, the last shot of the movie is him you know, going twip and he's released the American flag. I mean, and then in Spider-Man 2, he, it's the ending of that movie as well. It's him going off to save the day with firefighters and uh, police officers in New York City. And he, 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 he's going on the flag there too. Uh, and then in this movie in Spider-Man 3, whatever you may think of it, there was that scene. I remember that scene very, very clearly that he ran in front of the American flag to stop Sandman and uh, Venom. Which I thought, you know, that was, a. I, I remember sitting in the theater watching that scene because I said that was one of the first movies I ever saw in theaters. One of the first movies I ever saw. And I remember watching it. I'm like, oh my God, that was really cool. You know, I, despite the movie being okay, you know, I thought that scene was great. So, Bill, you got it? Uh, yeah, the the film was actually,
1: the film was, um it was a, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie called Collateral Damage. Okay. Trust me, I haven't even heard of this thing until until like recently when I started doing some research for it. Um, For those of you who don't know, Collateral Damage was was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie because the opening scene included a terrorist attack.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: Included a terrorist attack. And the movie was actually supposed to come out on October 5th, 2001. Like, not even a month after the attack. So because you're... of yeah. because of the nature of it, they had to um, they had to postpone it to um, they had to postpone it another four months and it came out in February of
0: 2002.
1: Wow. Because You know, like this was around the time where a lot of movies, anything having to do with terrorism, scrap it, scrap it, scrap it, scrap it.
0: That's right. That's very true.
1: Like, like anything that had to do with terrorism, scrap it because James Cameron wanted to do a sequel to the movie True Lies. Okay. That involved terrorism. But around this, he said, you know what? Forget it. Because... Hollywood was going a different direction around this time. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, You know, like, it's... But some could have just made, like, a quick fix. Like, you know the movie Zoolander? Yeah. That movie, which was released a couple weeks after the attacks, I think, there were scenes that they had the World Trade Center. They just had... They just digitally removed them.
0: Okay. I didn't know that.
1: Like, some... could. It was just a easy fix. They just digitally removed them. Right. Okay. Yeah, I just looked that up on Wikipedia. Isn't Wikipedia a wonderful thing?
0: It is, buddy. It is. Don't worry about it.
1: Um. Yeah. So, like, they had to. So, like, at this point, yeah, they, Zoolander, yeah, they just had to. They had. They just digitally deleted the World Trade Center. And the towers were actually for the 2016 Blu-ray release. They put the towers back in. Oh wow! Okay. Like, let me ask you. Because um, it was 15 years later. Do you think maybe that was sort of insensitive to put it in there, or not really?
0: Well, put them, put the buildings back in.
1: Yeah, for the film release.
0: I mean, how many how many years did, until in between the actual release and the DVD release? Fifteen. I think, but when did the DVD release come out? Did, did, did it say there? The Blu-ray it, came out in twenty sixteen. No, no, but what like was it in September or no? Because if it was in September, then I'd say like all right, then that's a little like pushing it a little bit. But I I don't I don't think it's that big of a. I don't think not, it's that big of a... If, you know? Because I think they
1: just did that because again, this movie came out a few weeks after the attacks. Correct. So, yeah, this movie came out like three weeks after the attack, so I get it. At that case, you're like, you know what? Let's, let's scrap. Let's delete the towers, because
0: yeah, no one wants but
1: to now but, but I think like 15 years later, I think it's like not that I'm saying we should forget about this, but it's like we kind of get why because it was right after the attacks and it was still fresh
0: yeah, I mean, but,
1: yeah. But. So, anyway. um, So, anyway. Um, sc- um, excuse me one second.
0: Yeah, I mean, personally, guys, I haven't seen Zoolander myself. Um, but I, I do know what they're talking about, though. I, I do know what Bill's talking about regarding the scene, though. And he, he raises some very valid points about like how the DVD release came out 15 years later, is it possible that it was it a good idea to put them back in? I mean, it's 15 years later. I mean, Is the reverence still there? I mean, of course, but at the same time, was it necessary? I mean, I it, it's like a hit or miss to me. It's like, you know, it, it, is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? I mean, I think it was an okay idea because like, but, but I feel like if you showed it in like a New York City cinema, people are like, oh my God, I remember that, you know, like 15 years later, because people would be like, oh my God. So this is my opinion. But Bill, what, what else are you going to say? Anything else on Zoolander or no? No, I think I'm good. And um, I got to tell
1: you this. I got a lot of other things about movies because I literally was looking things up these past few days. Um, yeah. Remember, kids, always do your research.
0: Yes. And don't worry. we have plenty always- of- Yeah, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. No, go on. What were you saying?
0: Besides movies, we also... There's a couple movies I want to touch on as well. But also, let's not forget, there are plenty of other forms of media and other performances and other things like that too that we are going to touch on later on in this broadcast.
1: Yeah, so we're going to talk about everything tonight, folks. Yes. Um, We're going to talk about movies, TV shows. Yep. Um, But, you know, there was... So, because, you know, a lot of movies were pushed back due to all this. Like, um, there was, like I told you, Collateral Damage. The movie Training Day, which was supposed to come out September 21st, 2001, came out two weeks later. Okay. Due due to a variety of reasons. Um, And, you know, here's something I, I knew about this. There was actually a... There was actually a Jackie Chan film called Nosebleed that was supposed to be, that was in production. There were rumors that Jackie Chan and them were supposed to film on the day of the attacks. That rumor has since been debunked. Mythbusters.
0: Mythbusters.
1: (laughs) But, um... But anyway, they said, because Jackie Chan was supposed to play a window washer, washing the
0: towers,
1: towers, and then overhears a possible terrorist plot.
0: Uh, Yeah, so.
1: So they said that this movie was scrapped long before the 9-11 attacks, but there were rumors that saying it got scrapped afterwards.
0: Right, right, of course
1: because yeah cuz like i said this was the time when everyone had to be super careful about what you put in movies of course you had to be super duper careful about what you put in movies and and you want to know like um and you want to know like even movies that existed before this had to be altered had to be altered, like... Um, like which one? Back to the Future had to remove anything that had to do with a t- with terrorists, I think. Oh, for real? Yeah, it says right here in the version, in the TV version of the 1985 film Back to the Future, all terrorist references were removed and altered completely from several scenes. In oh, the I exterior, know. when Marty McFly gets chased by the Libyans...
0: Hmm, Okay
1: like those scenes had to be removed. Wow. The words in, in the scene when Marty writes a letter to 1955, Doc Brown at the cafe about the night that he went back in time, the words by terrorists were released or erased. Like this was at the time when even the word terrorist was like script from the, was script from the film was stripped from the film because, and also I'm trying to find Armageddon. What was, there was something in the movie Armageddon. Excuse me, give me a second. Um,
0: Um, I didn't know that about Back to the Future. That's very interesting.
1: Okay, let me. Okay. But I heard they had to they had to get well, not get they had to um, they had to make some changes for the movie Armageddon. Like I'm trying to find like anything that having to do with terrorism or plane crashes bombs or anything. They had to get rid of it. Like this was like um Also, because, you know, something two years prior, like the Columbine shooting, they had to get rid of anything that had to involve school shootings or anything. Right, right, right. Like, this is, and this will come to a question I'll ask in a bit. And you know what movie even, you know what movie even got altered? Which one? Get this, and I didn't know this till a few days ago. Lilo and Stitch. Really? There was a scene when I it was either Stitch or one of the aliens was flying something that looked like a plane, was flying a plane, but after 9-11, they changed it to a spaceship. Wow. Yeah, so even, like, references of planes and stuff had to be...
0: I had no yeah, idea. Even... That. That's fascinating to me that even a Disney animated film would do that.
1: Oh, absolutely. And not even just that. Like, there was a movie that came out. A, you know, another, whilst we're on the topic of Disney, there was a, with the movie on Monsters, Inc.
0: What about Monsters, Inc.?
1: Monsters, Inc. actually... There was a scene with a building exploding. Really? With a bu- with a building exploding, but because of 9-11, they had to take it out.
0: That is crazy. Did Again,
1: they- like I said, even things that slightly resembled the attacks, they had to scrap. Oh, my God. Because, like I said, this was a time when you had to be careful about what you put on TV or put on screens because... I think the paranoia was merited because it was like straight out of the attacks.
0: Right. I mean, yeah. Because it was straight
1: out of the attacks. So yeah, but all these little things had to be changed. That's cool. And like and like here's the and like here's an and here's like another thing. Um like movies like okay Armageddon okay like in 2002 I think it was there was a scene in the movie Armageddon that came out four years prior
0: correct
1: of the World Trade Center burning they had to take it out Men in Black 2
0: I didn't, I didn't know that. Like, that. That's interesting to me. It's crazy. It's in Men in Black 2? Men in Black 2,
1: actually, because it featured the World Trade Center,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and it was supposed the final fight was supposed to be at the World Trade Center, but they had to scrap it and they refilmed it And it took place at the Statue of Liberty instead.
0: I had no idea about that. That's crazy. See why you do the show with me? I'm very glad I do the show with you because I feel like if I didn't do the show with you, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm doing a show by myself. Number one. Number two, I'd be like, oh, I didn't know that. This has been... Random facts with Bill.
1: Random facts with Bill. But... Yeah, it's, as you could see, folks, I have no life. <laughs> um,
0: Stop it! You're fine.
1: But um, but yeah, like, uh, cause I okay. Do you think like movies that were made? Because we just talked about Zoolander a little bit ago. Right. Do you think movies that were made prior? Do you think they should have scrapped anything to do with the World Trade Center, or do you think maybe they were going a little too far?
0: Um. Well, I'll give you an example of one that has the the twin towers in it. Ghostbusters there's a scene when they're going off the GW bridge okay the first one the f- first Ghostbusters they have this and the second one too they have the shot of the twin towers as well well they never edited them out they never and I've watched those films, God knows how many times but I've never ever seen them like ever edit them out of the out of the, out of the movie like if I if I do like Ghostbusters, uh, Twin Towers. Like these films, like this, people forget that, like, during the movie, like, with a scene where, this scene right here, where, um, those who are listening won't be able to see it, but you know the scene I'm talking about where the Ecto One is going over the G. Bridge, the Brooklyn Bridge, or they're talking about Gozer and all that stuff? The Twin mm-hmm. Towers right in the background, and they never edited out of the movie. So, does that tell you something? Dud did, like, ghostbusters two or one you know prove that you can just leave stuff alone well also but here's why i here's why i don't think they did and and i'm curious where ghostbusters afterlife is going to go ghostbusters 3 is coming out soon and it doesn't take place in new york city will they touch on the fact will they ever Will they mention stuff like this i don't know probably not because it's so far past that date it's like 20 years later since then and it's been over 30 years since the last film so do I think Ghostbusters 3 is going to have dementia? Probably not. Do I think that – I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting concept for me. The fact that the movie never had – it never got rid of the, the shot of it. You know what I mean? Like the shot of them going over the bridge is still there. The Twin Towers and the second one are still there. I mean it's an older movie, of course, but at the same time, this goes back to show – it also made the 80s well before any of this happened too. So I'm just saying it's it's that's an interesting thought right there. What do you think about that, Bill? About what, how they
1: never re edited The Twin Towers out?
0: Like, how you're telling me that certain other films were edited, and there are certain films that were um, edited to because of the attacks, whereas these films came out before they were attacked. And Back to the Future, same thing. But Back to the Future, I'm surprised. And, this is, and you said they, they cut those scenes out after 2001, or no?
1: I think that was, yeah, I think that was only for like the TV version, so.
0: Oh, okay, that's one thing. Because I watch it now on AMC and I'm like, that's fine now. Yeah, it still has those scenes in it, but that's fine. It just Yeah, because I think the thing because, okay, I think like with just that in
1: general, like I can see them doing it after the attack, like fresh after the attack as it's still fresh in everyone's mind. Yeah, but like... So I can see why they removed scenes with the towers and you know that's interesting. Like I've never really caught the t- Twin Towers, and when I watch Ghostbusters, Um it,
0: it, it's not a prominent part of the movie. It's there if you watch like the one scene of it, but it's not like, you know what I mean. It's not like it's prominently there. You know what I mean. So yeah, it's not like it's a big part of the movie. It's not like the the the, the Dakota is like next to it. You know, but. That, that's just something like I observed over over time. I was like, why didn't they ever like... You cause You just reminded me they're cutting stuff out of these other films. Why didn't they do it for this one? And I think that's the reason why. And they just... Because the movies are so old and they just left them the way they were. Because, I mean, that's, that's the way I look at it. But, you know, the things that wander my brain. <laughs> no, uh, I
1: agree. Yeah, yeah, that's a really weird thing. Um, what's your... um? Like what were some of the movies you wanted to talk about? Like, were they those that had changes, or were they like those that were actually based on 9-11? Uh,
0: there were like some after the math, after the fact stories, like I'll, I'll explain. Like, where is Okay, what do you got? There's a film that I wanted to talk about. I did not see the movie, but I did hear
1: about it. When it, I've was, seen like a good chunk of it, but I haven't seen the end in extremely loud and
0: incredibly close. Yeah, that's like it's about like I believe Tom Hanks is in it, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, Tom um, Hanks is in it.
0: Sandra Pollock is in it. Max von a good, pretty good cast too. Um, I, it's about based on a 2005 novel. I have not read the novel nor have I seen the movie, but I just want to bring it up, Bill. What do you think about this? It, it bombed at the box. The budget was 40 million. It made 55 55 million worldwide. So. Well, I've seen. I have. I've not. I haven't like sat down and watched the whole thing,
1: but I have seen a good chunk of it. Um, yeah. From what I see, it's about a boy who. Whose, whose dad used to, like, leave, like, scavenger hunts for him. Okay. And, like, his father was killed in the 9-11 attacks. Right. So he, like, goes on, like, this little scavenger hunt of what would, you know, of what was there, of... I thought it was actually a interesting... I thought it was an actually interesting film... Like for instance, because there was talk about um the kid actually, because I think in the novel they said the kid had autism or oh. had Asperger's or something. Right. But right. I think in the movie it's not even mentioned.
0: Oh well, they just skipped over that, that information completely. What was that? They skipped over that information completely, then In the movie. Yeah. Okay.
1: But um. But yeah, I think that's interesting, you know, seeing the perspective of someone who lost a parent in 9-11. Yeah, I mean,
0: I remember the coming attractions for it too. I remember the, the trailer for it. I was like, oh my god, it's another movie about this. But I didn't know what it I didn't know it was based on a book, too, which was very interesting to me. So
1: yeah, it is based on a
0: it's based on a book.
1: Um yeah, and um, but um yeah, so that's one. You got another one? Because I got another one that was made after
0: 9-11. Uh well I got uh you go first.
1: It's a movie called it's right over there, Rain Over Me.
0: Uh, I see. We'll talk about that too. Yeah, go ahead.
1: This is a movie about um okay. Don Cheeto meets up with his old college roommate, Charlie. Played by Adam Sandler.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is a movie that I'll admit, and I know this is supposed to be on 9 11, but not Adam Sandler, but this is like one of the few, this is the movie where Adam Sandler can play straight and he can be serious.
0: And that, thank you for telling me that, because I, I don't mean to cut you off, but let's just, I love that Adam Sandler. The one Adam Sandler I cannot stand is watching him be a complete goofball. I hate that Adam Sandler so much. I mean, he's very funny. Uh, when, But when he gets serious, I like him when he gets serious. I like 90s funny Adam Sandler,
1: not 2000s funny Adam Sandler. I'm on the same boat. But but anyway, Rain Over Me, Adam Sandler plays Don Cheadle's college roommate who lost his wife and his daughters in the 9-11 attacks.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And this is like years later. He's just down on his luck. He's just hit a deep depression. And, you know, him and Cheadle are... are are um, are trying to rekindle their friendship. Right. And this movie, like, here's what I would say. It's not technically about 9-11.
0: Right. It's kind of like a, a fan fiction almost, if you will.
1: It's more about what happened afterwards. Right. When it's part of the plot, but it's not the plot. And, you know, it's just, there's this scene when he's, when he's telling Don Cheadle about his about how his wife and daughters left to go to a wedding and say they wanted to go to Disney, but I said, no, we didn't want to have them miss too many days of school, and I was going to meet them out there in Florida. And he's just breaking down. And there is another scene when he thinks he has nothing to live for at this point. He gets a gun, goes out in the middle of the road, says, put your hands up because he's hoping... The cops are going to come and kill him.
0: Right. So, yeah. to, you
1: know, suicide by police. Right, right, right. And then he's going into a hearing when they're basically determining whether he needs psychiatric care or not.
0: Okay.
1: Whether he needs psychiatric care. And during this scene, his father in law, his deceased wife's father, is testifying. And basically yeah charlie just completely went crazy after my daughter di- after my daughter my, granddaughter, my granddaughter's died and he's and he's like sit i'm not making fun of him i'm not making fun of him but he's sitting in the chair and he's going okay the name of the song is rain over me in reference to the who song
0: i see okay
1: he's like, mm-hmm. you make it rain and like he's like talking about um, and he's just going on about oh my granddaughters they were so adorable and like some woman gives gives um, Adam Sandler headphones with that song playing. And he
0: not ah,
1: me," and he's just breaking down in tears that sounds when he's hearing his father-in-law talk about his wife and daughters and they're removing him from the courtroom. And then um, there's a scene when the when Don Cheadle, be-in-laws are talking to the judge And like the guy who wants Charlie put in a nut house goes, but your honor, he's, he's a danger. He goes, shut up, please. Go, Shut up. He goes, okay, I'm shutting up. Okay. It's a subtle little funny thing. He goes, okay, I'm shutting up. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then he goes, listen, this is not a matter of the state. This is a family matter. He may need psychiatric help. He may. But yeah, all I got to say is this movie is... It's really good. And like I said, seeing Adam Sandler play straight. Yeah. Is actually, he's, I would actually say, Adam, all the Adam Sandler movies, I would probably put this in my top five.
0: Really? And all the ones he's ever done?
1: Yeah. Um, I'll tell you my other ones another day, but
0: That's fine.
1: this one was, you can just, because, you know, usually, when we see Adam Sandler we're like, oh we
0: think. Yeah, he, he's I, I, I if you I Like he up. can
1: play serious. He can play straight. He just picks the dumbest roles. Yeah. We're not talking about Happy Madison Adam Sandler No, no, we're talking about
0: like, like Rain Over Me Adam Sandler
1: or rain, it, rain Over Me, like this one and also Uncut Gems. That has nothing to do with this, but he is good in that movie too. Go check that out. Nah, I don't um know. But yeah, um I would highly recommend this movie. And I think again, it's not about 9-11,
0: but it's right. Does it does it feature the uh, does it feature the Who Song Love Rain Over me? Just wondering.
1: It's played during the end credits.
0: Oh, that's great. i love to hear it. Just wondering.
1: It's it's played during the end credits.
0: Okay, what else do you got? Um that was really all I had um as far as like. Movies, like, movies that, that I could think of personally, I, other than documentaries that like there's 102 minutes to change the marriage. Like, there are certain documentaries that are going to be on this Saturday night who are going to be like, oh my God, you know, like because the, 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 one of my favorite ones to watch, if this sounds really stupid, like one of my favorite ones, but one of my most like one of the ones I like to watch personally is on the History Channel every, every September 11th, especially probably this year, they're especially going to have it is actual footage from the moment the first plane hit and it's it's frightening to watch they aired it really late at night too so you like you have to stay up for it but it's really it's kind of scary to watch so they have like they have uh uh literally it's called 102 minutes that changed america it's like it's the footage collected over like tv cameras cell phones at the time like broadcast and literally from from the first plane attack to the when the last tower falls it's just a footage of that day it's very it's it's very scary if you're under the age of like 12 or maybe 14 it's very frightening because it's reality it's what happened and it's a very very sad sad thing to see and watch because people record on their phones there's people jumping off the building and stuff like that and it's very 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 dark yeah. but it's i i enjoy watching just to like understand and remember like I, mean, I was very young then but like remembering that day i was like oh my god get yeah. out it's frightening to watch and to think that someone, something like that, could happen. So, um, but, yeah, but, but um, that—that's that, one of my favorite documentaries to watch, personally. And then the the, the ones about them with the stupid ones that I don't like, personally, Bill. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love to get one of your opinions on this. Is the ones like how they, they how they actually have like there's like all these conspiracy conspiracy theories of like oh there were bombs placed under the building like fucking grow up. Oh, the whole 9-11
1: truth movement.
0: Yeah, like fucking. For part of my friends everyone but fucking grow up so that's my thing
1: like you know like there's conspiracies at everything like um you know there's also the movie what's it called fahrenheit nine eleven, which was directed by michael moore
0: right that's it right here
1: i haven't seen the whole thing but it is um okay i'll be honest i'm not the biggest michael moore fan
0: i he's okay um
1: <laughs> To me, he's hit and miss. Sometimes when he's good, he's good. But when he's not good, he's not good. Um, Because this also leads up to, it also talks about 9-11 and also the buildup of the Iraq war that happened two years later.
0: Yep.
1: Like, there was a, like, I get what you're saying about the conspiracy theories and all that.
0: Like, Like, you know,
1: because this was also around the time the 9-11 commission report was coming out. And right. they also South Park, which we'll talk about in a little bit, because they 9-11 the hell out of it. And one of, because they did a whole episode about 9-11 trutherism. Um, but yeah, I get what you're saying. But also with documentaries, there is one that is really kind of hard to find right now. Um. And I highly recommend everybody check this out. You know, since I am a big sports guy. Of course. By the way, check out my podcast. Um,
0: The Sports Sandy podcast. Check it out.
1: Check it out. We are on platforms. There's actually a documentary. It's called Nine Innings from Ground Zero. Nine
0: Innings from Ground Zero. I'll look for it. Go ahead. Why don't you talk about it for a little bit?
1: Okay, nine innings from Ground Zero. It's about um, how basically baseball built us out of built us out of nine eleven. Like how the um, one of the things they talk about was the um, the Yankees, right? Yeah, of course the Yankees, but also the the first big baseball game that they played in 9-11 was actually, after 9-11 was a Met game. Okay. And there was a, um, and that was when Mike Piazza hit a home run in like the eighth inning. And my, and shout out to my good friend, Mark Halpern, AKA Old Ops Guy. He was at that game. Wow. wow. And he, he said the, the place went nuts because that was the... That was one of the, you know, we, everyone knows I'm a big Yankee fan, but we needed that. We, and then the Yankees of course, going to the world series, even though the Yankees lost that world series, I still look on that fondly because that was a time when New York needed the Yankees.
0: Yep. No doubt.
1: We needed something. And like, there was a part in the documentary that really made me tear up a little bit. Um, there was a woman, a, a young lady at the time, who lost her father in the 9-11 attacks. Oh, wow. And she wrote to, and I think it's appropriate to talk about this because he just got inducted into the Hall of Fame today, Derek Jeter.
0: Yeah, uh, big Derek Jeter. Love that guy.
1: Love that guy to death. One of my childhood heroes <laughs> is now a Hall of Famer. a boy. And... He asked, she actually wrote to Derek she wrote to Derek she saying you know my dad died in the attacks I really would want you to come see me or I will I really want to meet you and you're not gonna believe this phone rings going a lot of goes hi this is Derek Jeter yeah. Go, no he goes no this is Derek Jeter and they invite she they invited her and her mom to the game
0: it's amazing
1: And it's just, the documentary does so well, just showing, just showing like everything that happened, how we all came together afterwards in in New York City. And, you know, there was a part in the beginning of the film when they said bagpipes rung through it, another funeral, another memorial service, another lost hope. And that was a fear. But when we, when the Yankees were in the playoffs, It brought, it gave New Yorkers something to cheer about. It gave New Yorkers something to look forward to. And, okay, I just told you one of my favorite heartbreaking moments of the documentary, but my, one of my favorite funnier moments in the documentary was, um, I think it was in game three of the 2001 World Series, President Bush came out to throw the first pitch. And they were talking about how they had to. This was interesting. They were talking about how they like basically how they had to have Secret Service on the field. So they disguised the Secret Service members, Secret Service agents as umpires.
0: Oh wow, that's clever.
1: And saying, and they had a um, and one of them, his gun was shown, goes, and saying, um, saying, you can't have that on the field. Goes, watch, I'll make it disappear. And, they, and he like just threw a shirt over it or something. You see, it's gone. So they had to have the Secret Service agents disguised as umpires. Wow. And 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 while Bush was warming up, Jeter, Derek Jeter, yep, no, the Jeter reference, comes over to him and says, so Mr. President, I heard you throwing out the first picture. And I goes, yes, I am. Goes, are you throwing it from the, are you throwing it from on the mound or in front of the mound? And he goes, what do you think? Well, I don't know. What do you think, Derek? He goes, I throw it from the front of the mound, but don't bounce it. They'll boo you. And when he's walking, he goes, remember, Mr. President, don't bounce it. They'll boo you. And and yeah, that was the, yeah. But like I said, highly recommend, even I will really love that documentary. It's really hard to find. It really is.
0: Do you stream it or you have to like uh find it on YouTube?
1: i don't know like i tried looking on hBO max if they have it like maybe they put it on because 9-11 911's coming up but like i just and this is gonna sound weird guys i want to keep i just like i wanna like every year like around the anniversary of 911 i want to watch it yeah and i know that may sound weird but
0: well, it makes total sense to me um, maybe you could you could definitely try and Google like nine innings from ground zero streaming, or you know, see what comes up. Maybe you could stream it online.
1: Yeah, this is one of my favorite sports documentaries, by the way, one of my favorites. Um, but I actually really enjoy this documentary. It's really interesting. It really shows like how we were feeling after that time. Yeah, I mean, I. Of how we were feeling after that time. So,
0: based on what you're saying, it definitely does. Yeah. Sound
1: like that. What was that?
0: Based on what you're saying, it definitely does sound like that.
1: You're like, listen, if you're a sports fan or heck, even if you're not a sports fan, I would still give it a watch. Yeah. Especially if you're a big baseball fan.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm. A, me and Bill are baseball fans. So, I, I'm, I haven't seen this one. I might check it out myself, but that's
1: me. Um. Nice. But anyway, um, yeah. So, anyway, you want to move on to maybe TV shows a little bit? Uh let's do TV shows. Yeah, what do you got? Okay. You know there was actually an episode of The West Wing. It's non-canon. It's called Isaac and Ishmael. Okay. It was actually it's actually the plot was about terrorism and I think they wrote it and shot it in just, like, a few days. Oh, wow. Because their season premiere was supposed to be on... Their season premiere was supposed to be on September 25th, two weeks after the attacks, but they pushed it back a week. Like, if you ever watched this episode, um, and this episode is non-canon, so there's not exactly stuff that's exactly it's not a part of the main series you know what i mean
0: yeah it's just it's an outside story in that yeah
1: cuz there's actually an intro of all the cast members going good evening i know you you were you were looking forward to the season premiere tonight but unfortunately that's not going to happen um well but tonight you know we present to you this play called Isaac and Ishmael and Bradley Wifford's like, don't worry about if this kit fits into the series. It doesn't. And said, and next week we'll start our season three. Okay. But yeah, like I, but you know what I think is interesting? Because some shows and movies were trying to steer away from terrorism. We're trying to steer away from any references of terrorism. Right. While shows like The West Wing, we're talking about it.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: Because, I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on that? On the West Wing? like like, how on some movies and TV shows we're not touching terrorism with a 10-foot pole, but shows like the West Wing, we're openly talking about it.
0: That's a very, very, very good question, my friend. Um, In my humble opinion, I think it all comes down to the writer's room and what they have to say. I think... I think that most I mean a, a script is the foundation of any film or TV show and or any documentary same thing so my f- personal belief is that the, the the writers of the shows and the writers of movies post 9/11 were very sh- obviously shook because like this happened. How could this happen? All the sadness and all the awfulness that happened afterwards. Um, it's very, it's very like, um, I'm not going to say like, I it, it, honestly, but I would just say it's up to the writers. It really just is up to the writers and how they interpret what they will and and it shows like the west wing it's a very it's a political show it's about the president martin sheen plays him and all that stuff and honestly it's just i think it just came down to the writers when they said someone made a definitive decision and said look we're going to do it this way this is how it's going to be and that's that and they made history i don't know if that makes any sense but that's the way i look
1: that makes perfect sense that makes perfect sense because yeah and also like record time and by the way aaron sorkin you still haven't responded to me
0: yeah Aaron's i had to calling throw that in.
1: i'm calling i'm waiting for you aaron yeah aaron but anyway um but yeah um I see what
0: you say. And I think maybe the writers thought, you know what, maybe it's appropriate. We can talk about it now. I mean, especially in a show like the West Wing. The West Wing was the political show of that of that time, you know. Like the way House of Cards is today, this is what it is back then. And I guess it just made sense to put it in there, you know? Because like I said,
1: if the I've been saying this, if there were no if there was no because in all honest, there was no. Um, if there was no West Wing, I don't think there'd be any House of Cards.
0: Oh, I completely agree with that. Like one hundred percent. Or,
1: like for instance, um, there was actually um, yeah. So that was something that was changed. Like now, like here are things with just like some small other changes. Um, what of your favorite episode, Friends? Oh yeah, there was an episode when um that was altered, um, the one when Chandler and Monica go on their honeymoon. Yeah, and there was an episode, and there was a joke in the episode about that Chandler was bringing a bomb on the plane or something like that. They were joking about bringing a bomb on the plane. Okay and they actually had to cut that scene. Oh man, makes, that that makes sense to me. Cuz this episode aired like 1 month after the attacks. Oh jeez. Okay. Cuz like you couldn't even joke about that shit. No, and then because people were so
0: yeah, people were freaking terrified and the fact that friends like, a very popular show at the time too was doing that, yeah.
1: Like You know, people were afraid to even get on planes. Like, personal story, I remember spring break 2003, I was about nine, we were going to Disney, we drove down there, because even though this was, like, about a year and a half after the attacks, my parents were still afraid to go on a plane. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, and see, that's, (laughs) like, what fear does to you during that time. Yeah, because you don't know what's and gonna happen. Exactly, and also, yeah. Now I'm getting into the weird, obscure stuff. Now, JT, sorry. Um, you're, you're fine, dude. Go ahead. Have you ever heard of this some um,
0: animated show called Invader Zim? I have actually. Invader. Really? Invader wasn't on Nicktoons?
1: Yeah, it was a Nicktoon. Okay, for those of you who are way younger than me, this was a show that ran about a year or two on Nickelodeon. I didn't really watch it that much because this was the Nicktoon for the older kids. And I don't think my parents would let me watch it when I was that young. But there was an episode of Invader Zim. Like... Call um called Door to Door, in which Zim is trying to sell candy bars. And so he comes up with a new strategy. Give everybody these virtual reality helmets and say, if you don't buy my candy, the destruction of the earth is gonna happen.
0: And oh, I see.
1: They saw a desolated city and they saw the Twin Towers float. Not not the Twin Towers, the Statue of Liberty float in. This episode was supposed to air like three days after the attacks. Oh my god. So you know how long they actually had to delay not just that episode, but that whole season? How long? You know how long? No. Six months.
0: Oh my God. Wow. That's, wow. Just
1: for that one scene, they had to delay it for six months.
0: Because the storyline was that, like, developed for that season? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know. In all
1: honesty, they could have just skipped that episode and just gone on with the rest of the season.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Like, they were supposed it was supposed to be shown in september of 2000 um, september 14 2001 but they pushed it back to they pushed it back to march 2002. okay all right i mean that makes sense and they had to and they had to re edit the whole scene but you want to know i think um somebody at nickelodeon wasn't doing their job right and they and they aired the original cut with that scene with the Statue of Liberty floating. Mm. All
0: right.
1: Yeah, I I, I guess somebody wasn't doing their job that day. Um, Not that I'm making light of the whole 9-11 thing, but that guy wasn't doing his job. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, but a lot of things had to be changed. Like in the Sopranos intro, for instance, if you've noticed when they're driving, uh, the woke up this morning, Got gotcha, your sale for the gun. They're like driving past the World Trade Center. They had to take that out. Yeah, just like in movies, like they had to take everything that happened to do with the World Trade Center. They had to scrap it.
0: Yeah, I mean that's people. People today are like, oh, why do we? Why can't we do this? Back then, it was like literally. If you get, people were afraid to get on planes, people were afraid to do anything because of terrorism. It was just a big thing back then. Yeah, it
1: and it's like people had to remove like, you know, for instance um, you know, I was actually just talking about this with a friend of mine the other day. Um, Home Alone 2 there is a scene that um, Kevin's at the um, observation deck. Right. Is at the observation deck of the yeah. World Trade Center. Some networks, when they show that movie, they had to scre- they, they, they cut that scene. Did they really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Because, um, and like, here's the thing. That movie was made like at least 10 years before the attacks. Yeah, of course. Do you think they, do you think they made the right, to, do you think they, it was a good thing they cut it? Or do you think like, okay, it's a little overkill now, guys. It really
0: is. I mean, it was t- if it was 10 years before, I get it. But if it was not 10 years before, if it was like two years before, I'd say definitely cut it. But the 10 years before, you have leeway. It goes back to Ghostbusters 2. Remember that? Yeah. There's Ghostbusters 1 and 2, 1984 and 1989. When was Home Alone 2? 1991? Yeah. In 91, I think. So you're talking about the same time frame that Ghostbusters 2 came out, which is a New York City-based film that had the, that had the building, the towers in there. So to me, that makes sense. But... Um, they just leave it alone. Um, I think they they. they could, but if he's actually in the observation deck, then that's one thing. But you know, it's not like the Ghostbusters like, were in the building. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, like
1: even going on, um, going back onto the TV thing, um, there was a Simpsons episode called Homer Simpson versus the City of New York, and it, it this came out like a few years before that. Oh, really? And there was an... Because the episode was that Homer's friend Barney accidentally drives his car, Homer's car, to the... To New York City where it's collected on... Where it's under the the towers. And it's actually kind of funny. They send him a little note going, if you don't pick up your car in the next 24 hours, we're going to throw it into the East River. And it's just sitting there collecting tickets and... It's under the towers. And here's a little um nip. Here's a little um tidbit. Yeah. The there's like a tour thing, and you know how much the like the tour thing costs with the um, World Trade Center It was nine dollars and eleven cents. Oh my god. So after 9-11, of course, that episode had to be taken out of syndication for a while.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: You know, because there's this whole thing like, oh, the Simpsons predicted the future. Like, no, there's talk like the Simpsons predicted 9 11, the Simpsons predicted Trump getting elected. Oh, go ahead, go, go look this crap up. They actually believe, right, but yeah. It's like the Simpsons predicted 9 11. I'm like, and I, I honestly think it's just a coincidence. I don't know what you think, but
0: I think that's a coincidence, but it's a really strange
1: coincidence at the same time. Because, and they also predicted Trump being elected because there was an episode when they show Trump going down the escalator just like you did when he announced and um oh my god <laughs> there's also an episode in the future when Lisa's president goes we inherited a budget crisis from President Trump
0: Wow yeah but thought- um what was that who would have thought you know I mean that that, that, that the, the the Simpsons would have predicted something like that in indirectly in my opinion but
1: yeah but um yeah any more on uh
0: TV shows or I think we're good. Are, do you want to start, You want to talk about movie uh, music now or stuff and, and performances and yeah, stuff? Yeah, just one more thing about one more thing about movies,
1: if you don't mind. Before we sure. Go what do you got? Because if
0: you've noticed,
1: and this is just like a general thing to talk about. Yeah. If You know, you notice why in like the two thousands there was like big movies about, um, you know, stuff like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, like fantasy stuff. Yeah, you know why there was a big rise of that? Because I watched this in a movie, in a YouTube video the other day, and I actually found this interesting. What? The reason why Hollywood went softer in those years, it was because of 9-11. That's interesting. Okay. Because a lot of... Because in the 90s, it was all about action movies, like Independence Day, Armageddon, right? watching things blow up, going after the bad guys who were, you know, terrorists... Yeah. Like, and those were like escapism. But now the reason, and that was like all throughout the 90s and then 2000s, the 9 11 hits. The 9 11 hits, they're like, okay, you know what? We don't want to show movies with things being blown up for a while because that could trigger people. Yes. And, you know, we want to be, as movies, we want to be pure escapism. Right. We want to be absolute pure escapism. Right. So that's why you have the rise of movies like Harry Potter, The Lord of the Rings. Right. Even the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, I mentioned them. Sorry. um, <laughs> But um, and also and you know, and also like a, like the first like the, like there was a movie that did mention 9-11 like a year after that was the movie Spike Lee's 25th Hour. Okay. But um, but a lot of studios weren't making movies about 9-11 until like 2006. Yeah, because it was like five or
0: six years later.
1: For the movie World Trade Center.
0: Yeah.
1: Which I haven't really watched, but yeah. I heard a lot of people found that movie kind of dull. Yeah. Well, but... And there were, like, TV movies being made before that. Yeah. Um, But the thing was, like, mainly with Hollywood from about 2002 to, like, 2005, 2006, they tried to stay away from, like, big budget explosions and... Yeah. Be- because they wanted to. Because, you know... Again, that's why Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings were popular because it was providing people with. We can't forget Twilight.
0: Well, no, that didn't come out to like 2009, I think. I'm just saying it's, it's part of like that. Or how Hunger Games, like the teen fantasy stuff, came into play because of that too. You know?
1: Yeah, like even the, like those live action Scooby Doo movies, like because Hollywood was saying, you know what, we got to pr- push out stuff that's a little lighter. We don't want to trigger people. We don't want to. Oh yeah make people upset.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah.
1: We don't want to make people upset. Um, so we're just going to, you know, let's just provide escapism for people. Because that's what film is in a way. Film is escapism.
0: It is. I mean, a, a lot of art is in, in, as well, you know, music, uh, film, art, books. And that's, and that's why, like, for films, that's why, like,
1: weird fact here, That's why during the Great Depression, the film business was like one of the only few businesses that was actually doing well. That's right. Because people were going to the movies to escape escape all their problems. Right. And, you know, and I, I, yeah, and I actually didn't know that about like why movies like Harry Mm -hmm. Potter and Lord of the Rings were very popular in the 2000s. And, you know, until I watched that video and I'm like, you know what, I never thought of it that way. I'm like, yeah, why were those type of movies popular? And then I'm like, that's that's actually interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I don't know what you think. I just went on a whole big ass thing here. Um, no, no, you're fine. I mean, I, I mean, what you're saying makes sense to me. So you're good. Um, there's do, I, do you have anything else for like films, documentaries, TV shows? Cause I wanna- I No, a, I think you wanna to go to movies? I, th- I think we're good with movies. <laughs> I mean, go to music, music, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Let's go to music for now. So the first thing I'll take over the reins. I know Bill did a lot of talking just now. I'm going to take over the reins for a little bit. I want to talk to all of you who are longtime listeners and followers of me on any sort of social media platform. For those of you who know me personally, this is a big deal for me. And I want Bill to chime in a little bit, but I want to just set the mood here for a sec. Bruce Springsteen, one of, my, one of my, if not my favorite artists of all time, one of them up there for sure. And this is the musical side of this conversation with how 9-11 affected the art world. Um, Basically Bruce Springsteen releases an album in 2002 called The Rising, which has, and I'm just gonna list off the the songs on the album. And they're all written by Bruce Springsteen. They all all take place. A lot of them are about 9-11. So Lonesome Day, Into the Fire, Waiting on a Sunny Day, Nothing Man, Counting on a Miracle, Empty Sky, Worlds Apart, Let's Be Friends, Skin to Skin, Further On Up the Road, The Fuse, Mary's Place, You're Missing, The Rising, Paradise, and My City of Ruins are all, that's all 15 songs on the album. And it is a brilliant album. If those of you who are looking to in in the New York City area I'm not sure if he's doing anything for this, but uh, given that it's 20 years after the release, of uh, 20 years after 9/11, I, I wonder if he's going to do anything for it. I'm not sure, but I mean, the Rising album to me is a very strong album. It's a critical acclaim, one of his best albums in my opinion. Um, like with in the deep, the bigger hits off the album, like are the title track, The Rising, um, Waiting on a Sunny Day, is like a like a, a song about feeling better. As we're waiting on a sunny day, you know, lonesome day is a good, a very good track. But some others, and let's be friends, skin to skin is like a beach song. So he wrote that for like for for people to like feel better, I guess. Um, this album is great, and and I gotta say some of the deep cuts on it are really good. Like you're missing, everything is everything, but you're missing. Uh, world's apart about the the climate in the world of how like. We can't see each other across. Like, let's have a cousin in Italy or a cousin in England or like a relative. I can't see them because we're. And you know that song's been sort of relevant, could be relevant for the past year once you think about it. With COVID, yeah, I mean, some of these songs definitely could be. Like, "You're Missing" isn't one of them for sure. Empty, empty sky. I woke up this morning to an empty sky. Uh, Nothing, man. Uh, The rising itself. The title track is about a nation coming back from a horrific attack. The, that's what the song is about, and it, I actually it, really like that song. By the way, it's a great song. I mean, up for the rising. And Nancy Wilson of Heart did a really good cover of it recently. I found out. Um, you, you should look that up. Um, but like, the rising was actually one of his first hits on the Hot 100 in a while. Believe it or not, in 2003 or four, like 2002 or three, when like when pop was taking over and stuff like that, Bruce Springsteen had a, like, a pretty modest hit with the rising, like the top forty. It reached like number thirty-nine, but still, it reached that forty, uh, as far as I know. And it's a song about getting better. And in fact, just from a bit—you're—you're I mean, you're older. You're older than me, yes. Um, sorry, I need to remind you again. But you do you remember Barack Obama's presidential inauguration? And he—yes, Springsteen played "The Rising" for his inauguration, which I thought was now. Yeah, they had a concert a few days beforehand. Yeah, it was it was not the full band though. It was just him on an acoustic guitar. Yeah, him and there was like a choir there too. Yeah, and that video is on YouTube. You can you can go look that up, of course. Uh, yeah, him and Obama to, yeah. are really good buddies too, so and then they're doing stuff together now as far they're doing a podcast together as far as I know. Yeah. Which is great. Um My City of Ruins, I want to touch on that song really quick, and then I'll I'll jump into other stuff in a sec too. Um My City of Ruins is exactly what it sounds like. It closes out the record. It's a five-minute song. It's about literally the, his city, because he grew up in New York. He was in New Jersey, but he lived in New York for a while, whatever, in and, and ruins. And it's a very powerful song. It's like, there's, a, there's a lot of choirs in it. There's a lot of gospel in it. But it's a, it's a very beautiful written song. This album, From Start to Finish, if, you, if you're looking for anything else to do in, in, uh, to celebrate or in, in remembrance of 9-11, I recommend listening to Bruce Springsteen's the rising album from uh, this in 2002. I really do recommend it. He, uh, fantastic songs on it. So some of some of the ones he still plays today, which is great. Bill, what do you got? I just want to
1: say for the song, My City of Ruins, I actually heard it was written before 9-11. It was, correct. You. You're it right. was actually not about New York City. It was actually about Asbury Park. Oh yeah, uh, you're right. That was my mistake. Yes, that's correct. And but the song then became associated with the with 9-11. And he always introduces it, goes, This is a prayer for our fallen brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah, and it's not like it's not like born in the USA where it's about Vietnam vets, it's more about like this is specifically about people take this to heart. And but honestly, people needed a lot of recovery after 9-11, which I thought was very important because after like after like the whole country gets attacked, essentially. He steps up along with other a couple other people I'm gonna mention in a second, but um he steps up and he's like you know what this is wrong let's make music that's gonna feel good about uh that's gonna make people feel good and it's also it's his first album with E East Street Band in 18 years since since Born in the USA with the full band back together so which is great
1: yeah because there is you know this was a time where we came to where we came together
0: yeah. And we, we, we took care of our own plug for another Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a big yeah. one.
1: And you said there's a, after you, your other music thing, I got some music
0: stuff to talk about. Sure. I, I, I know you're all tired of hearing my voice, but. <laughs> I have two more albums in particular that I think you okay. might. I think you know well. I mean, they're the only other two I can think. Oh, no, there's. We'll get the performances in. A sec. I got two performances as well. But so after after my two albums, we'll go to your perform- We'll go to the we'll go to your albums in a sec, and then I'll, we'll wrap up with my performances. So hold on, uh, America. Okay, well, no, no, mine's aren't albums. Mine's are performances as well. So oh, we'll, we'll talk about that then. American Idiot. I want to talk about this album in particular.
1: And um, you know what? I actually, as we talk about this album, I want to give a shout out to our very dear friend and one of our biggest fans, Matt Hemsley. Woo, go Matt Hemsley! because this is actually one of his favorite albums.
0: It's a great album. It's a
1: fantastic so, album. That's for you Matt and by the way you did awesome here last week just want to tell you that you did fantastic.
0: Yes, thank you for coming on Matt. That was a big.
1: If fun. you guys want to go watch that last week we talked about Oscar snubs. and Matt is our os- is our in-house os- is
0: our house Oscar expert. So he is, he's very good. He's a, he's got a brain full of knowledge up there. Um, All right, anyway, I'm sorry. Go on. American Idiot by Green Day so let me just say what i'm going to say before i get into anything else green day was in a slump before this album came out because in 2000 they released warning which was like you know it was a good album i liked it it was a bunch of good songs in there personally but it wasn't commercially living up to expectations that they wanted to so this song the the album itself is a rock opera it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff about the Iraq war in there, there's a lot of stuff about 9-11 in there, and about this particular era of American history. It was recorded in April of 2003 and into March of 2004. They recorded a long time for this record, uh, literally about a year. And sure enough, they released one of the greatest albums of all time, in my opinion. Um, and I would go far and say this is in the top like 500 or 600. Um, but it, it follows a character of jesus the character of jesus of suburbia and the record takes you on a journey of jesus's life uh through a holiday and then he gets sad he's on the boulevard of broken dreams then he meets up and then he, and he's waiting and then he's uh, are we and then he meets up with saint jimmy he gets captured like it, it's a really for 2004 it's crazy it, it's 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 a fantastic record. If you never listened to it from start to finish, I recommend you listen to it from start to finish because it tells a whole complete story. Um, the songs on it all, like I said, it's a rock opera. It tells the story of what's going on. One of the things I want to touch on in particular is the song Wake Me Up When September Ends. Wake Me Up When September Ends is a song about, um, it's not what you would think it's about, believe it or not. It's actually about uh, Billy Armstrong's father, who died when he was ten. I don't know if you, know, I don't know if you knew this, but like the the uh, I did, and a lot of people think that song is about nine eleven, but it yeah. it isn't. It's not, it, it, which is very ironic in a, a weird sense that this album and this song, this big hit for them, huge hit for them, came out in um, came out in uh two thousand four, which was "Wake Me Up When September Ends." Which is something Billy Joe Armstrong, as far as I know, he said his dad had just died and he said, Mom, wake me up when September ends. And he held on to that for a very long time and wrote a song about it. The song that that song has nothing to do with the story of the album, but um, like the, the city and how life is like and how people are enraged with George Bush. Like, you know, kill all the that don't agree. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's very, very political.
1: Yeah, yeah this was, this song was like about like this song was about like the anger after 9/11 and the um yeah the ang- and also leading up to the Iraq war
0: yeah yeah and like one of the biggest things to me like the title track American Idiot was the first Hot 100 hit single which it surprised me at first I was like really Green Day doesn't have any hit singles on the Hot 100 in the 90s what no because they were, were ne- turns out they were never He's released commercial now. singles should find out but America to idiot America yeah it's I love the song it's actually it's very politicized it's, it's used against certain people I'm not gonna go into particular but like it, it was used against a lot of people uh, on certain parties and it's like it's becoming like an iconic piece of music now which is crazy like uh, what was uh, I don't want to be an American idiot um, well maybe I'm a America I'm not a part of a redneck agenda. Now everybody do the propaganda and sing along to the Age of Paranoia. This is about people being afraid at the same time, and that song is about rallying about how to rise up against no, Bush around
1: because okay. When we said when he said rallying against Bush, I just want to say, folks, we're not we're not like saying whether we agreed or not after the days that that happened with oh, of the Bush administration. We're not we're not we're not a political show. We're just. We're simply saying what for, the song is about.
0: Exactly. We're telling you what the song is about. We're not trying to picture, we're not trying to favoritism over political parties. We we don't do that here. This is a political free show.
1: Yeah. Well, we talk about if it has to do with our topic, but
0: right. Like the- anyway,
1: but um because because this song, because you know, I think that song captured the paranoia after, you know, in those years following 9-11.
0: Yeah, it's just that's very true. And a lot of people found comfort with "Wake Me Up When September Ends" and stuff like that. But um, and you know what? It's like because I remember my eighth grade history teacher say that
1: song's about 9 11. "Wake Me Up into September Ends." And then years later, when i went, no, it's about Billy Joe Armstrong's father dying. And it's like we adopted that song as a song about 9 11.
0: Correct, but it's not the actual case. Like how some people
1: adopted "Born in the USA." Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, God, we can go on for hours about that. But anyway. um, Yeah. Yeah, but that was a... Yeah. Yeah, but I... Yeah, because I think that song was more like post-9-11 because I would say like right after 9-11, it was all about America, rah, rah, rah. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you, and this might cause people to rise up against me and may form an angry mob outside the house. This has nothing to do with Green J- Day, JT, so I'm sorry if I'm jumping around here. You're good. But you know what song that became big after 9-11 that just has really gotten on my nerves in recent years? What is it? God Bless the USA.
0: Yeah, that was a bit... We, we could talk about that in a little bit, but I, that's definitely one that's like, you know... Um, yeah, so... <sighs> Let's not even talk about that, to be honest with you. Yeah, but I'll just
1: say, okay, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I don't hate the song.
0: I don't hate it. No, neither do I. It's just overplay
1: because growing up in post 9 11 America, like in the days following that
0: attack, that song was everywhere. I don't remember that because I'm younger than you, but yeah.
1: That song was played on every radio station, it was everywhere. And again, I don't hate the song, it's just that when I hear it 6,000 times, right? You get tired of it. I get tired of it. Like, I love America as much as the next guy, but I don't need to hear that song 6,000 times. I come and on like, the like 4th listen, of
0: July and that's it. What was that on the 4th of July, and that's it.
1: And like, listen, I just want to say if you lost someone in the attacks or lost someone in war, and that song gives you comfort more power to you i respect your opinion
0: yeah
1: but i'm not saying you're an idiot i'm not saying you're a terrible person but you know if that song gives you a sense of comfort then more then go ahead and listen to it
0: yeah um, but
1: if that song makes you feel patriotic who am i to tell you what, how you can and can't love america correct but um Okay. Anyway, you said there was another album or performance
0: you wanted to go on, or there's. I'll. I'll we'll segue into your performance after after i talk about mine. But yeah, wh- like I said, if you've never heard American Idiot from start to finish, listen to it from start to finish. It's a great album. I recommend it from start to finish. They're actually there, so. It's funny, Bill. Let's talk about this for a second. So American Idiot was their first rock opera. It was, and it's one out of two they've, that they've done. Yeah. Green Day released tw- 21st Century Breakdown in 2009 now hear me you're probably saying jt why are you saying you know 20, 2009 21st century breakdown blah blah the title track 21st century breakdown there's a line and it says video games in the towers fall homeland security could kill us all oh so like it, it's in this title track here it's in the title track 21st century breakdown uh it's a great track i love the song to death i love this album to death it's a fantastic record but um this song talks about, and like, there's, there's stuff like, there's references to other songs that, are like, I never made it as a working-class hero. Um, there's another song on there. Uh, there's, last one's Born and the first one's to Run. You know, like, there's a lot of other references in this song itself. But I, this album in particular, and it's still like, they're like, the album itself, 21st Century Breakdown, kind of gets overlooked, in my opinion, to, to its older brother, American Idiot, in my opinion.
1: It's like the it's like the younger sibling that says,
0: oh, why can't you be like your older brother, American Idiot? They're much more successful. Yeah, but this album is like, and this album's longer. This album, 21st Century Breakdown, like American Idiot's like an hour. This is an hour and 10 minutes. And it's broken into three different acts too. Like, and it's what the album is, before going into any further detail, it is about post 9-11 America, but it's a snapshot of where they were in time which I love it. That's why I love it. There's a lot of references to religion. There's a lot of references to terrorism. There's a lot of, religion, uh, uh, of references to um, uh, 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 women of, of rights. It's a very politicized record, but it's a very good, very good record at the same time. And here's what I'm gonna say with this. This album is underlooked compared to American Idiot. Cause like, everyone's like, oh, American Idiot, American Idiot, Holiday, Boulevard, Broker, Broker Dreams, Wake Me Up." No, this album, is really good. It's like equivalent to American Idiot and it just gets overlooked because American Idiot was so big. Um, But I gotta say, this song, the title track, 21st Century Breakdown, it was about, this song is the album itself is like literally a snapshot of post 9-11 America. It's about uh, guns. It's about terrorism. It's about, all this other stuff regarding life after 9-11. And this is like a perfect, because none of them was 2001. This came out in 2009. And this album to me perfectly, Do not to rip off what I'm reading right in front of me, but it says Armstrong described the album as a snapshot of the era, the era we live in now, as we try to question and make, try to make sense of the selfish manipulation going on around us, whether it's the government, religion, media, or any kind of authority. So, and the singles Know Your Enemy and 21 Guns are a big example of that. But I wanted to touch on this because they do mention the tower's falling, falling in the very first title track because it sets up the record from there on out. And Green Day, look, you can hate Green Day. You can hate on them all you want, but their cre- creativity, as far as like creating incredible albums go, I don't understand why this didn't get the record, the, the, the light, it won best rock album of the year, but it's, it's a brilliant record from start to finish too i recommend and i'm going off on my tangent but like this album from start to finish if you've never heard the album from start to finish 21st century breakdown get on it now it's that good and it literally takes place in 2008 right as the transition of presidents happens and like all this other stuff like government religion media Depression, anxiety, nine tw- eleven. 9/11. There's a ton of stuff in this record, and I recommend you check it out. Bill, have you heard of 21st Century Breakdown?
1: I know the song Know Your Enemy.
0: Okay. They, when I saw them, they played that, but uh and 21 Guns too. 21 um, Guns? Yeah, it's a it's a very politicized record. In Green Day is just a very politicized band. Well, it, their earlier stuff's not like there's stuff like uh up to warning is not that politicized at all. It's just kind of like dumb fun music, but like once they got to American Idiot, like, they're like, like, we've matured. We're a grown-up band. We have, we've done our best. We're gonna do. We're gonna do whatever we can to make ourselves feel even better, and yeah. be a better band." And they've done that since two thousand four. So hey, um,
1: listen. Before we get to our other things and we wrap up, it's a long show, but you know what, guys, we have a lot to talk about, and you know what, that's a good thing sometimes. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad we touched on this too. But we'll go ahead, Bill. Okay, there's this one thing, and then we'll get back to this the performances we're gonna talk about, cause I'll be honest, I think we kind of have to talk about this because if um because if we didn't, I'd have to hear it from Matt Hemsley. Um, no offense to Matt Hemsley. We love you, buddy. We really do, but cause you okay, um after 11 Clear Channel, which is now um, which is now iHeart, actually actually released a memorandum to not play these songs after 9-11. Why don't you list them off? Go ahead. Okay, there's 165 of them. List off like five. Okay. You, you know what? Okay. Like, I'll do the songs that we know. How does that sound? Good. Um, yeah, make them whatever you want. ACDC's Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Okay. Hell's Bells.
0: Mm, Yep.
1: Okay, you tell me if you could see it or not being inappropriate. Ready? Highway to Hell. Yep. Safe in New York City. Yeah. Shoot the Thrill. That is
0: all ACDC songs?
1: Uh, Not not, not all of them on the list. Okay. Shot Down in Flames
0: and tnt yeah those i mean i could definitely see how those are like those are definitely something like crazy i mean because the highway to hell could be about terrorism it could be i mean shoot the thrill is about guns so yeah
1: the beatles a day in the life was deemed inappropriate why because it was
0: politicized or no
1: Oh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe the line, he blew his mind out in a car. That suicide? song, that line? Yeah, like Suicide? Yeah, because there were people jumping to their deaths. Uh, probably, yeah. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. LSD, Drugs? Yeah, I don't think you want a song about skies and drugs after a attack. oobla di oobla-da, because they said any song that sounds remotely happy, we should scrap. Wow, wow, that's crazy. Ticket to Ride.
0: Really? Yeah, that, that was banned. Oh Well, Ticket to Ride a Plane. Yeah. She's got a ticket. Because I told you,
1: anything that had to do with a plane.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Um,
1: Pat Benvator's Hit Me With Your Best Shot in Love is a Battlefield was actually banned as well.
0: I could see that.
1: Um, Phil Collins in the air tonight. Yeah, in the air tonight. The clash rock the kasbah Why that one? Because I think it has something to do about Islam or something like that. Mm, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, Neil Diamond America. I could They're see Come into America. That song.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um was, okay, this I could see why. I mean, this is my favorite Billy Joel song. Only the good die young yep yeah i could see why that song is would be banned yeah um elton john's benny and the jets
0: daniel and rocket man yeah because daniel's about death
1: daniel is flying tonight on a plane
0: yeah wow they really took took the heart man that's crazy hey like these people when they okay
1: like just a few quick other things before we get back on track here um Lenny Kravitz's song Fly Away yeah Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven that makes sense so really how does that make sense Stairway to Heaven ah
0: yeah that's a biggie
1: and here's a song that um um okay um okay I could see this song being inappropriate Dancing in the Street by Martha and the Vandellas. Yeah, it's a biggie. Live and Let Die by Wings. Yeah, Paul McCartney. Um, Give me two more. I'll give you a few more. And like, he was the. Okay, I could totally see this being inappropriate. Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo.
0: Oh my god, I could see that. So you're telling me. You're telling me that all these songs were banned because they involved like planes or
1: death or
0: all this other stuff. That's like, crazy, dude.
1: And like like I can kind of see why, like, um, cause you know what was a in this song I'm surprised because I think it actually got airplay during 9-11, the John Lennon song Imagine. Well, I mean, that makes sense that it would because it's about world peace. I thought that song and that song was actually deemed inappropriate. Wow. That's shocking. And also, and this was a controversial pick. Louis Armstrong's <laughs> What a Wonderful World. That's controversial. They said any song that has remotely happy lyrics, we have to take off.
0: That's crazy, dude.
1: And like and like, okay, this is kind of a funny story. Again, not making not making light of the situation, but Yeah. There was a radio station that when the memorandum was being circulated, when they were giving them the memorandum and they were playing music on air, you know what song they were actually playing on the air? What? Celebration by Cool and the Gang.
0: Jesus Christ. Oh my
1: God. And they're like, okay, I guess that song's on that list now.
0: <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah
1: but, um, yeah, just thought I would share. Like, listen, you can actually go Google this because there is, there is the whole list. Okay, of- do you, yeah, like, oh, here's three Bruce Springsteen songs before we move on. Um,
0: I'm going down. Yep. I'm on fire. Yep. And war. You didn't write war, but I, I definitely understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you see why these
1: songs were? Um, this song, I'm actually kind of a little. Um, I'm a little. Um. I'm a little confused of why it was on the list. Which one? Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel. Uh
0: that song Because I... Hmm. It was their biggest hit too. It was the number one hit too. Uh... No, because
1: I because I heard that pe- that that song brought people comfort after 9-11. It's very peaceful too, so that that song brought people some comfort. Yeah, I don't understand why they would like... You know, I don't know why that song would be... I don't know why that song would be <laughs> deemed inappropriate. That's weird. That really is weird. Because, um, you know what, because um, I'll just go off on this before we go back on track here is, um, you know, because a lot of people pe- today, people complain about cancel culture. Like, I don't really see that as cancel culture. I can see why they did that. Right. Because, you know, they want like, hey, this is a very sensitive time. We got to be very careful about what we play. Any song about planes or death or bombs. Makes sense. We need to just be very careful about what we're playing. I don't know what you think, but.
0: I think think you nailed it on that. I think they wanted to be careful.
1: Yeah, but do you think maybe, and let's just play devil's advocate here for a second. Do you think maybe they went a little overboard?
0: A little bit. I wouldn't say a lot. I'd say a little bit. Like, like again, I don't know. I don't know
1: why Imagine would be on that list. I don't know maybe it's about a utopian society. Who knows? Because I think that song was about because in a 9-11 that'll we'll, i'll talk about in a minute they actually played that song oh wow wow um what a wonderful world I can kind of maybe
0: see why I see trees of green red yellow roses yeah I mean is a piece on earth though i understand but that one doesn't make sense to me
1: well because m- I also heard some some people that song did bring some people comfort but you're singing about what a wonderful world it is, and yet the yeah. World Trade Center is smoking, right? Yeah. So oh, okay, you know, I'm sorry that that's very insensitive. The what just happened, the events of what just happened. Um, but yeah, I can bridge over troubled water. I'm like, again, I heard this song actually brought people some comfort during 9/11. Yeah, I don't understand why crazy but you know yeah we'll be here all night so
0: um okay what are the performances you wanted to talk about the first one i'm going to talk about is one that we didn't we didn't discuss before we started recording which was um the concert for new for for new york new york oh i was going to talk about that too we swiped (laughs) right
1: we swiped right (laughs) up high
0: Woo. I actually have a concert on DVD I'm jealous So for those of you who don't know What swiping right means that Bill and I have, have the same topic But we didn't realize we did it So we swiped right Alright, let's talk about it
1: Okay, so this was actually Because I actually watched a um, They were counting down Like the top 100 greatest moments at MSG And when they did this They said they, they said we met Like it was the week after 9-11 In the office saying Okay, you know what? What are we going to do? What are we gonna do? Right, and and they all said, "You know what? Let's do what we would do in New York. Let's just let's just rock the place. Let's just have a fucking rock concert." Yeah, and I have the whole concert on DVD, and it is a it was a hell of a show. It really
0: was. It was pretty good. I don't know if you ever watched it. Have you? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've seen, like, Depart with Billy Joel singing New York State of Mind. You know? That was, like, one of my favorite parts. Yeah, it's a big one.
1: Um, I think an- another favorite part of it, my of that show is um, Bon Jovi was doing It's My Life.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: And he was wearing his cowboy hat. Oh, wow. And, like, during the song... Like It was like during the last course, he took off the hat and gave it to, to like a cop or a fireman or something, yeah. and this cop gave him his cop hat, and he put it on.
0: And he put it on. This is crazy. I remember some of this. Yeah. I don't remember all of it, but I remember some of it. Like this...
1: Like, um... I, I have it on DVD, and I remember... Watching some of, even thinking about it gets me emotional. It's that we were able as a city to come together after and yeah. just, you know. And people made it work. Yeah. And um, when you brought up Billy Joel, you brought up Billy Joel. I did. He, yeah. He, he
0: went, yeah. Miami 2017 and New York State of Mind.
1: And I remember at the end of Miami 2017, he goes, thank you. You know, I wrote that song 25 years ago. I wrote it as a science fiction song. I never thought it would really happen. But unlike, but unlike, um, whatchamacallit, but unlike the end of that song, we ain't going anywhere. Yep, we're not going anywhere. And that's, and also you got to remember the biggest performance of the night, The Who. Of course people just like they were actually I think they were actually the first ones to agree to play.
0: Really? That's-
1: they were the first ones to say yeah we'll be there.
0: That's good. They were the
1: first ones to say they were going to be there. Wow. And
0: yeah so um, what else do you think of this, of this whole show? I think it was a great show. I mean like I said I'm always seeing bits and pieces of it but I do love A lot of the performers here, like, so they're some of my favorite performers of all time and whatnot, but like, there's a lot of really good, people who introduced them to is pretty good too. So.
1: Yeah. And I think the two things that really make me think about it, and they weren't musical parts, they were just like these, there was this one scene, oh, not a scene, there was this one part when these firemen were on. Yeah. His name was Mike Moran. And he said, I just want to say something. In the honor of the FDNY, House Battalion, whatever, that we lost. And in the spirit of the Irish people, Osama bin Laden, you can kiss my Irish ass. Go for him. And the whole guard was like, USA, USA, USA. And it was just... And also... um... Yeah, Melissa Etheridge's cover of Born to Run is absolutely fantastic.
0: She performed at the Kennedy Center for him, too. And also the, um,
1: and also another part was after the, um, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards performed after the first song, which was Salt of the Earth, they said, I just want to say, if there's any lesson you learned from this, you don't fuck with New York, all right?
0: Yeah, go you tongue, Jagger.
1: And yeah, sorry, I'm going on and on about this, but um, you're
0: fine, and then we'll get to like two more, and we'll call it a night. Yeah,
1: because um, yeah, and also Paul McCartney wrote a song for all this called "Freedom." Oh
0: yeah, I I, I didn't know that, but I did know that he. I just I see, I see it right here, so yeah, like
1: this was because in that series I was talking about in yeah. that. The 100 Greatest Moments of Madison Square Garden. Um, They said, like, you know, the one thing that really shocked us, you know, that we that we looked upon is that people were carrying cards of people they lost, like memorial cards, and they were singing and dancing. I think why that concert concert is so significant was saying that we New Yorkers, you know what, we're going to be okay. Because I think that's simplified. You know what? We're going to be okay. It's a long road ahead, but we'll be fine, But we'll 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 come back. Exactly. Because you're New York tough, everyone. New York strong, New York tough, and and it's like, um, yeah, this is a great concert. I actually have the whole thing on DVD. I'm jealous. I got.
0: I, I want to see it now. <laughs> if you party at my house. Viewing party at Bill's house. Bet.
1: Um um he actually organized all this whole
0: thing too. Yeah, I was reading that too, that Paul McCartney did the whole thing. Hey, he's the man for doing this. Um
1: but yeah and and, you know, concerts for New York City, there's also another 9-11 benefit I want to touch on really briefly, and that was, um this actually, it took place, like, right after the attacks, like, a month before this. Oh, really? It was a telethon called America Tribute to Heroes. Okay. Th- that one was more, kind of more somber. I can, I, I'm looking at it now, it just looks like it. It looked like well, concerts is for New York City Concert for New York City, I would describe as, hey, we're recovering. It's a long road ahead, but we can do this. While um, this one was really, um, it, it just took place like two weeks after or a week and a half after. And the tone was much more somber. Wow. Like, you know, Neil Young, John John Lennon's Imagine that I was just talking about, yeah. <laughs> and you had them, you know, cover some songs too. People covering songs,
0: crazy. A lot of good and, stuff. Um,
1: and I remember um, when Billy Joel did New York State of Mind on this one. Yeah. He actually had a deceased fire captain's helmet on his piano. Oh, uh, that's that's performance. Okay. While he was playing. All
0: right. Yeah. I, I, and, this um, performance I've seen that I haven't seen the other one yet.
1: But um yeah, this was a really um look, bridge over Troubled water, John Lennon's Imagine. Those
0: songs were being played in 9-11 benefits, and yet they were deemed inappropriate. That's weird. I don't know. This is some things about them are weird to me. They have that how they like, you know.
1: And yeah, that was um. So yeah, um, because I remember apart from this was um, Will Smith and the great Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Because you know a big thing about all this was, of course, Islamophobia. Right, right, right. And they were saying, "This man right here, the greatest of all time, he's a Muslim." Mm-hmm. And Will Smith said, it was hate, not religion, that motivated those terrible attacks. Right. And I, I think about that moment specifically because I think people just really needed to hear that. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: That not all Muslims are terrorists. I completely- and I think people just really needed to hear that. And this is one of the, like I said, it is a lot of the soundtrack is really good. A lot of the, the performances are good. And like I said, contrasting this from Concert for New York City, I think this one's a little more somber.
0: Yeah.
1: It's more about mourning the loss while Concert for New York City is basically celebrating bravery
0: and courage and all that. Right. I mean, yeah, it's what- It's good to know that there's two different types you could two types of uh ways to honor and remember you. There's a somber way and there's a more lively way, yeah. Because I
1: I feel like that's like after anything, they have something more somber than they have something more lively,
0: yeah. And that's that I like that they do that, that's good, yeah. It's like this is our emotions
1: right now, and heck, this is our emotions later. Um, I got one more thing for us to talk about if you if you okay, ready to go. And what is that, my friend?
0: The Super Bowl.
1: Halftime
0: show. Oh, where, yes. Where, and I'm going to show, pic- I'm not going to play the video, but I'll show pictures of it. That what you, and for those of you don't know, when YouTube 2 performed at the Super Bowl that year, first of all, it was, it was, it was right after 9-11, because it was like January of that year. What Bono and company did was Bono, first off, no one knew Bono had an, an American flag um, under his jacket, which is a very patriotic thing that he did. But um, what they did was, for those of you who are listening to us, you won't be able to see this. But if you Google photos of the U Super Bowl halftime show following 9 11, or if you watch it live back then, 20 years ago, hard to believe. Um, if you watch it, uh, what happened is they had a scrolling, like a big, 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 like, uh, not like a big tarp almost, or a big cloth. And they put the names of, the victims and the tragic loss of people from the september 11 attacks on the giant screen and it was televised across the country it was the super bowl here it was super bowl that year you know it was a good game and all that stuff but this the halftime show is regarded as one of the best halftime shows we've ever had if not the best i mean bill i mean what bill what more can you say about this than just like um back when i did my super bowl pregame show for that
1: podcast i promoted um yeah, when we did top yeah. five top halftime shows, that was my number two.
0: Yeah, you you, you told me that earlier today. Yeah, this is like and,
1: um, yeah. also. Also, what I gotta say is um, is also because a few days after the, you know, because it's like a few days after the concert for New York City, U two was actually the first concert at Madison Square Garden after nine eleven, not counting the concert for New York City.
0: I didn't know that. That's interesting.
1: After 9 11. And because um, I also watched this something um, on the NFL Network about this show, about the halftime show. And because originally Janet Jackson was supposed to be the halftime show for that year. Uh-huh. But after 9 11, they said, you know what, Janet, we're, we're going to have to give you a rain check. We need to find something a little more appropriate. Because, right. you know, you don't want to find, you don't. This was like five months after the attack. You didn't want to pick something too boisterous, but you didn't want to pick something too somber. So it's like, hey, you know what? You 2 we think that's perfectly appropriate and
0: they, that's why they, they actually picked you 2 for the halftime show. Yeah, and I think they did a great job. You can hate on U2 all you want. They still put on one of the best halftime shows ever.
1: Because I think cause that show was perfect in the mood. It was because used whose music isn't too depressing, but it's not too No, it's very alive. Yeah. It is. And I think we needed to show we are alive. Yeah, definitely. And um mm.
0: Yeah. Wow, we went on almost two hours about 9-11. That's crazy, dude. Um, but yeah, overall, guys, this is just some of the some of the things we wanted to shed light on this week for our Super Bowl halftime uh super for our 9-11 awareness uh and we wanted to just make sure that you guys are well aware. And, we, and um, yeah, go ahead, Bill. I just
1: want to say um, JT and I are both lifelong New Yorkers. Yeah. And um, we just want to say 20 years later, we still never forgot. Mm-hmm. And we were both very young at the time. But um, I also want to say this. Um, this Saturday, this weekend, the Yankees are playing in the Mets. Where? And City field oh wow okay. and I could not think of anything more appropriate than two the two New York teams playing each other on
0: 9/11. Yeah
1: like it's not just a, it's not just an op, op, an observance of those we lost that day, but I think it's also a symbol of how far we New Yorkers have come. Yep, from 9/11 when the towers went down, from from what else? From Superstorm Sandy, from what we've been going on with this last year and a half with COVID. It shows when we New Yorkers come together, nothing can stop us.
0: You're damn right.
1: I think, and I think on Saturday at, and I want to use this word very lightly, at City Field, I think it's a it's a celebration of New York. That when we come together, n- there's nothing we can't do.
0: Because now you're in New York. What was that? Because now you're in New York. Sorry, I didn't bring up the Jay-Z reference of Empire State of Mind, but that's me. <laughs> Sorry. And Hey, what was they it? Might, they, might they might play that at the game to, on Saturday. Who knows?
1: That would be a, like, I don't know. Like, I'm sure for like the 9-11 observance, they're going to have it more somber. Yeah. But I'm sure it, when they bring up, hey, nothing can stop us then I think it's going to be a little more lively. So yeah, we are New York strong, New York tough. That's how we do it. That That's how we do it. Okay, guys, sorry we went on for a long time about a very serious topic, but...
0: Well, you're totally fine. I want to thank Bill Murphy for joining me as always.
1: Always a pleasure, my friend.
0: I support his podcast, Sports Sanity Podcast. Check him and out. And don't forget to
1: check out our new project, which, you know what? if you don't mind, I'm going to just slightly plug it right now. Um, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, it's going to be the, actually the official start of the NFL season. So we are going to be having a Thursday night pregame in which yours truly will be hosting. Nice. That's going to be every Thursday night for the Thursday night game. We also have a Sunday morning game. Okay. The Thursday night pregame, the title of it is a work in progress right now. Um, But, The Sunday show is called Sunday Sideline Report. It's going to be hosted by my really good buddy, Mike Rifkin. Um, And this is going to be like, we're going to have like different panelists on every week. So tomorrow it's going to start about seven and Sunday is going to start about 10. So please, it's going to be here on YouTube live. So check it out. And check out the Sports Insanity podcast on all platforms.
0: He's the best. Don't know doubt about it. Thank you so much everyone for watching this. Again, sorry we couldn't do it live. We pre-recorded tonight. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And never forget, we are New York strong. We will see you guys next week with a more fun topic than being all. We promise. We promise. Thank you everyone for watching and listening. You guys are great. We'll see you guys next week.